Welcome home, where homeownership matters for all. A production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. A voice for real property rights. I am here with Will Martin, legal counsel for the North Carolina Association of Realtors. How are you today, Will? I'm great. I hope you are. I am awesome. Let me tell you, a hot topic and button that I continue to hear about as a realtor in North Carolina is wire fraud. Can you tell me why that is and what's going on? Well, it's a big issue because, you know, fraudsters are uh, focusing on residential real estate transactions to try to steal lots and lots of money from, from buyers and sellers. And they're doing that probably in different ways. The, the most common way that I'm familiar with is a fraudster will hack into, I understand it's most commonly a broker's email mm-hmm. account, and then just monitor the account for activity. And, and if they see a transaction coming, they learn as much as they can about the transaction. And then they try to figure out a way to intercept wires of money coming into or sometimes out of a lawyer's trust account. It This blows me away because these wire transfers that are being made by our clients are extremely large and sometimes their entire life savings. So how do we protect our clients in this instance? What can we do? What steps can we take? Well, you know, we've now inserted a wire fraud warning into the offer to purchase and contract and into the uh, agency agreements mm-hmm. and understand what is in, in those warnings and ensure that your clients uh, adhere to the uh, directions that are contained in those warnings. Make sure they see it when they enter into the agency agreement with you and remind them of it when they enter into an offer to purchase. There's going to be a wire involved, especially most commonly the buyer you know, wiring funds into the uh, closing attorney's trust account that they deal directly with the closing attorney. And you should not, as a broker, communicating wire instructions to your clients under any circumstances. And your client actually needs to be sure to the extent they can that they know they're dealing with the closing attorney and not an impersonator. So not necessarily emailing this attorney, but... Absolutely not. should not be handled by email. It should be handled by telephone call Mm -hmm. or, you know, if possible, in person, face-to-face meeting. That's not, you know, always possible or oftentimes possible, but be sure you you know who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I would also assume that having these conversations with our clients needs to happen very early on in the transaction, as opposed to once we're already under contract through due diligence, maybe a couple of days prior to closing, because I'm hearing that these frauds are occurring early on, not later, not toward closing, but even much earlier. Well, I'm more familiar with the ones that seem to happen right before closing, actually. If they're happening earlier, they're not doing it by a wire. Now, what's happening earlier is fraudster has hacked into an account that, that allows them to view activity. And sometimes they apparently do that for weeks and weeks. And, and they learn a lot about the transactions. And that's essential to being able to pull it off because uh, on the day of closing when uh, uh, an unsuspecting buyer or, 
or sometimes a seller gets an email that looks legitimate mm-hmm. and it's calling people by their first names and it's it's referring to aspects of the transaction it's that familiar. only somebody who's been involved in the transaction could possibly know about. It's easier to uh, pull the wool over somebody's eyes, you know. So they spend a lot of time learning about these transactions. Am I correct in saying that banks do not insure wire transfers? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think so because I do know that, and I'm familiar with one case that we were involved in as a law firm where, you know, once the money gets wired offshore, it's gone. That's it. It's gone. Now, in the case we were involved in, it actually involved the seller's proceeds check. And I don't know quite how it works, but apparently the title insurance company in that instance was responsible and paid the, the great bulk of the money back to the seller, which I think was seventy or eighty or ninety thousand dollars perhaps. Wow. That's quite unique you're saying. But the uh, broker, the listing agent and the listing agent's firm also contributed to that settlement. Now what brokers can do seems pretty obvious. I'm not a technical person, but taking some fairly basic steps to try to protect your access to your email account. critically important, and I think, I haven't seen it happen yet, but I have no doubt that brokers will at some point be disciplined and perhaps be found liable for money damages if they don't take reasonable measures to protect the integrity of their accounts. You mentioned that there is uh, something new added to the offer to purchase form. Can you go a little bit more into what that states? Well, it's specific instructions to buyers and sellers about uh, how to communicate with the closing attorney regarding any, any wires that are uh, going into the uh, attorney's trust account or, or coming out of the attorney's trust account. It's pretty much the same wording that was in the addendum that we wrote at the beginning of the year. We had a wire fraud notification addendum mm-hmm. that we developed in response to this problem. We decided it was so important that we would put it into the uh, offer to purchase and into the uh, agency agreements to ensure that clients and brokers uh, were aware of it. Thank you, Will. As always, members can reach out to you through the legal hotline. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Sure thing. This has been an episode of Welcome Home, a production of the Orange Chatham Association of Realtors. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.